Remember the emotional roller coaster that was picking teams on the playground in elementary school? Maybe for some of you, that memory doesn't strike terror in you because you were always picked towards the top, and, and at most, you were just disappointed if you weren't picked first. But for the rest of us, those memories open up scars of embarrassment and pain that can run deep for a little third or fourth grader. And it's because no one wants to be left out. No one wants to be overlooked. And that sinking feeling as name after name gets called and the remnants of players are shrinking and you tell yourself, no one wants to choose me. You know how important it is to be chosen, to feel chosen and wanted, and maybe you remember what it's like to be picked for the choir, or to be picked for that part in the play that you really wanted, or to be picked for a job after a great interview, or to be picked by your spouse, as they say I do, to be chosen. It's a significant thing. And when it comes to be chosen by the creator and sustainer of the universe, man, it's life-changing. And so even before Peter gets into his letter, he throws in two words as he's addressing the readers that hold huge theological significance for them. And for us, as followers of Christ today, this is what Peter wants to frame his whole letter around. And so let's reread 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Peter an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Elect exiles. Other translations use words like chosen foreigners. And we're going to see more and more throughout this book that Peter is writing to believers who are kind of like refugees. They're living on the run and trying to just find some safety and security from persecution and threats of violence. They're suffering... They're no doubt scared. And Peter wants to remind them right off the bat, hey, God chose you. While you are living as exiles in a foreign land, God is with you. He has not left you. In this next chapter, we're going to see that Peter brings up this idea again. Chapter 2, verse 9, it says that you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And this idea points straight back to Deuteronomy 14.2, tying the New Testament believers to the Old Testament nation of Israel, the chosen people of God. It says, For you are a people holy to the Lord your God, and the Lord has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. So listen, friends. Hear this. God chose you. God chose me. Out of all the people on the face of the earth, he sees you. He's with you. Don't let your circumstances become bigger than your God. Don't let the world you live in, the job that you have, the thing that you're chasing after, the family dynamics that you're struggling through, distract you or pull you away from the God who chose you. And so even though you are chosen, Just don't forget that this world is not about you. Yeah, we're chosen and we are elect by God, but currently we are just living as exiles, living in a land that is not our home. And that really puts our life, our rushing, our priorities, our stress, our chaos, our worries into perspective. And so how are we to live in this world? Well, that is the reason Peter writes this letter. 
But as I see it, we have four ways that we can interact as followers of Christ, citizens of God's kingdom, with this temporary world. Number one, citizen. A citizen is someone who has fully embraced what this world stands for and believes. They have fully entrenched themselves in this world and put down roots, and in so doing, They've turned their back on God's kingdom because you can't be fully conformed to this world and still allow God to transform you into his image. Of course, you're a legal citizen in the country you live in, but don't be a citizen of this world. It is not your home. Number two, you could be an immigrant. An immigrant is someone who is looking to make their current country their permanent home. They're on their way to citizenship, and we can celebrate that in our earthly nations, but it's disastrous when that becomes a spiritual reality. And sadly, a lot of Christians have built their roots and their hope in our world and are little by little looking like and sounding more and more like those around them. They might know that they're citizens of heaven, but they treat the world as if this is where they really want to live. And that's dangerous. Number three, you could be a tourist. And maybe you've been a tourist to another country. You go and visit that country because you love it there. But you don't plan to live there. You're just visiting. So you don't put down any roots. You don't form any real connections to the place or the people. And in fact, you kind of stay with your own people. You don't branch out too much. You stay where you are comfortable being and going. And so tourists stay detached from society and the people around them. So if there's any issues, it's not their problem. Hey, I'm getting on a plane. I'm out of here. I can just ignore it. This is the attitude so, so many Christians have toward the world. They stay separated. They never get involved. They feel no connection to community. They certainly don't engage in uh, societal problems. And you can use the excuse all day long. Well, hey, I'm, I'm in the world, but I'm not of the world. But the position of tourist may actually be the most damaging to Christ and his kingdom than anything else. No one likes a tourist. And so none of those three, citizen, immigrant, or tourist, really line up with the picture the Bible paints on how to live in our world. And so Peter gives a fourth option. He says, you are an exile. An exile is someone whose home is somewhere else. But for an undefined amount of time, they have to make their home in a new place. And so they invest in this new community. They form relationships. They learn the culture. However, even as they put down roots and work for the good of their country, they are always longing for the day when they can go back home. And so exiles aren't concerned with building up their own empire or getting the most stuff It's kind of like at the airport where there are all those little shops that you can buy books and souvenirs and goodies, and there's lots of stuff to buy while you're hanging out on your layover. But you know what you never see? You never see shopping carts because everyone is not going there to load up on cool things. They know that they are just temporarily there before going home. And so you are chosen. It's all God's doing. So live even as exiles, to glorify God, placing all of your hope and your treasure in heaven as your forever home. All right, we are three episodes in, and we have one verse down. At this point, we're going to be done with First Peter around 2030. 
No, our pace is going to ebb and flow throughout different sections, but I'm really enjoying unpacking this with you, and I really appreciate each of you that are along for the journey. Next time, we're going to be in verse 2, and we're going to be talking about sanctification and obedience. And so until then, let's pray. Thank you, God, for being so patient with me, for choosing me, even though you know all the ways I would choose citizenship with the world and not with your kingdom. Thank you for sacrificing your son to give me the hope of glory. And so now be with us as we live. Help us to live in this world in the light of eternity and of your glory. Amen. Amen.